carbonly conversation. Quick question. Is this the podcast? Are we doing the podcast right now? Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Carbonly Conversations. I'm Shane here with my buddy Chad. Good morning, everyone. We've got another Carbonly clip topic for you today. Yes, SmithsonianMag.com topic talking about empty office buildings being turned into vertical farms. This was a pretty cool one, Chad. I have to say, I'm going to choose my words wisely here. In navigating, exploring, and understanding the hybrid structure that many um, corporate companies are applying, utilizing for your day-to-day work schedule. For those carbonly listeners that don't work like that or have a retail job or run their own business, that's you, our plumbers. Talk about the struggle of the commercial real estate and that return mm-hmm. to work in the office. And with hybrid, like office buildings are being left empty or aren't being filled to full capacity and and that's kind of like the gist of this so like if you look across all the major cities in the world but specifically here in the united states there's a lot of commercial real estate a lot of large office complexes they're just going unused and the liabilities on those the expenses on those are are huge the smithsonian published this article shane and i were digging deep into it on like vertical farming like we've kind of broached that a couple times in the past but like how do we actually take advantage of these office spaces that could be repurposed right vertical farming is definitely a solution uh the article talks a little bit about this but i have read extensively on this because i'm a big proponent of like we should turn all these offices in midtown new york into apartments and condos and places to live and and rejuvenate that midtown feel or rejuvenate that downtown feel, which does wonders for a lot of cities, um, gentrification as well. But if you bring a lot of new faces into the urban core, the urban core grows and it gets safer and there's more things for everyone to do. Um, But office buildings, the the number one reason that makes that hard is a, you have to like remodel them all. Um, But B the regulations of how close you, how many windows each Needs um, is hard to meet with the way most office buildings are built out today. So I don't know what we're here to talk about, but office buildings themselves, you don't have to build a new one. You can turn an apartment that's cheaper than building a new apartment building. But right. when you're remodeling all of it, you may not be able to use all the space or it becomes really expensive or maybe just not possible. And that's where I think this urban farming, vertical farming really like steps in and adds another thing to our toolkit of like, what can we do with all this commercial real estate in, in all of our metropolitan towns and major city areas? That's a lot, Shane. What do you want to unpack in that? Yeah. I mean, I definitely, um, you know, here where I live in Columbus, it it's a hot topic that um, about all of our commer- downtown commercial real estate um, being empty for years, you know, even pre COVID, some of our buildings were just not being used. So we have, we have a much like the rest of America, we have a housing shortage and 
the focus has been to convert a lot of these office buildings into into housing, um, which is great. But like you said, with all of the regulations, um, there's a lot of space that's going unused because they can't really legally make that a living space. And kind of like our topic when we spoke about the uh, Carvana. Um, yeah the car vending machines, like turning those into these vertical, vertical farms. Um, this is very similar. And I think, and it, and it's good to see that, you know, starting in Arlington, Virginia, like someone's already being successful at it and actually offering a, a year round CSA to their community, um, to, to have access to, you know, fresh foods. Yeah, I think they specifically call it like microgreens, herbs, or greens, like lettuces, yep. spinach, et cetera, herbs, and then root vegetables. Root vegetables, yep. And I will say like this, I'll call it a stigma, like a vertical farming, urban farming is like, it's really expensive to grow the strawberries, the carrots, like that diverse set of crops, or has been in mm-hmm. many of the systems I was familiar with or did research on back when I was doing research in that space. Um, so I'm very familiar with like, there's like, it seems to be like the greens, like the lettuce, the spinach, the kale, like in vertical farming kind of go hand in hand. And it's like the, the operational expense and then the time frame to grow them and then package them and sell them. Like it becomes actually profitable in your space. Right. And, and I want to be really clear, like in this model here, they're actually not building any space or converting floors of commercial buildings um using these and this is where i think the, the game has changed and shane you were talking a little bit about the ai on it earlier before we hit record is the these new agri systems the one in arlington i think we talked mm-hmm. about one in um, alberta canada, in maybe canada Calgary. Yep. Um, they're almost like legos like they're they're modular kits and we could all all of us carbon listeners could buy one if we could afford it and installed in our house, you, you know, size the the room, buy the right kit, and it and it's agnostic to what crop you grow. And I think you were talking earlier, like I didn't read too much of that, but like it's like a software program, an AR program, yeah. where say I'm growing strawberries, and the kit's like okay, and it like does the all the management for the watering, the lights, the movement, and because it's um a kit like it it's on a conveyor belt and it all moves around like we could show a video here but we won't describe that it's, it's, it's kind of really fascinating which yeah. makes this very plug and play for any of those office buildings up there yeah and then they also mentioned um silo so silo is like a multi-level mm-hmm. conveyor yep. belt system that moves through to, and it also replicates the plant's natural circadian rhythm. Um, so that helps because of course, with a lot of commercial buildings, there's higher, you know, higher ceilings and different things like that. So I guess traditionally some farms that operated in buildings similar, they would have to like climb up and down ladders and and things like that. So they're making it, you know, a lot more feasible for, um, for this to be done with the with the new technology that's being created. So like we've kind of covered like the gist of this and like how this like it's definitely in the reuse category and the reduced reuse recycle. 
Yeah. Um, because we can reuse office buildings. Um, yeah. I think I've said that like 32 times now on these eight minutes in our recording. <laughs> but I'm really curious, Shane, from your point of view. So we've had multiple conversations. I mean, we'll say multiple, hundreds of conversations about Franklinton Farms, community mm-hmm. gardening, getting outside, growing our own food. I mean, we have currently listeners going to our backlog. We have lots of episodes about this. And you mentioned earlier, like the one in D.C. or Arlington has a CSA. So you can mm-hmm. go to the building, the office flex, pick up your box of veggies, bring them home and eat them. Yep. So would you prefer to go to the office building to get your CSA? Would you prefer to actually go to the garden itself and the, the landscaped area, the green space? Like, which one makes you feel? What, which one? How do you feel about each one? Or how, how does that make you feel? I'm really curious. So, yeah, so here, here in my neighborhood, they offer, um, they offer actual like door to door service to where if you're, if you live in the community, they actually drop it off on your front Mm. porch every Friday, which is fine with me. And then the way, if you don't live in the neighborhood, the way it works is you have to go to their office. Um, I believe it's like Friday after 4 PM, the bag is available. Um, either way is fine to me. I, I do think that these ideas, so like, so here, Frank, speaking on Franklinton farms, what they've utilized for their strategy is relying on land banks that have been available from the city mm-hmm. to set up their process and, and grow foods. They do own some of their land. Um, but I would say 50% to a majority of it is still land bank city owned mm. property. And one of the changes that has happened this year is, especially with the housing shortage, is apparently the city will no longer be giving out land banks to for like community gardens and community farms. It It's, yeah, so... Um, which is kind of a, which kind of sucks because at any point, like they can kind of come to Franklinton Farms and be like, okay, we're not going to renew, we're not going to renew it for this year. Like, and, and they basically have to shut down whatever operation they have going on that piece of land and start it over somewhere else. Um, oh, wow. Right. So I, I think that. And I would assume, like, I mean, if it's happening in Columbus, Ohio, I'm assuming it's going to start happening in other cities as well. So I think that that makes this topic even more important because a lot of places do have empty office buildings or just empty empty buildings in general. Mm -hmm. And we all know, like, buying land is just coming, it's becoming harder, especially if you're in an urban atmosphere like finding land to grow food on is, is pretty tough, you know? So I think that that's, that's going to make this concept even more important in the next, you know, 10 to 15 years. So I hear you. I was was going to add like the Smith. Oh, sorry. Sorry. Go for it. Sorry. I was going to add one last thing as far as CSAs, like they are super important. Um, I'm a big believer in like every, every community should almost have their own local farm and that's where you get your vegetables and some fruits from. Um, Of course, they're not going to grow everything that you might 
you know, want to eat and have in your diet. But if you could get a majority of those things from locally grown um, farms, I think that it's going to, of course, cut down on, you know, carbon emissions. Um, but also you're just kind of eating healthier and it might help with yeah. the, the health issues that we face in America. Yeah, like this begets so many other questions on like this the carbon footprint of these, right? Um, they're probably not sure enough data has been published and they're not public companies yet um, that I'm aware of yeah. to have that data published. But we could do a little bit more investigation that. But, but I think for me, like in that original question, like I've, I mean, I've been saying this for years to other people and some of the, even in probably podcast episodes is I think it's really important. We, we know where our food comes from, right? And we meet the farmer, we, we hang out at the space where our, our, whatever it is that we're consuming from mm-hmm. like chickens to cattle to um, vegetables to grain, like and be able to go shake their hands, meet them, like see how they live. Mm-hmm. So whether I do that in a, we'll just say a bubolic, like farm setting or the red barn or someone's urban community garden. Or the office complex that I ride the elevator to floor four and I talk to like Geraldine and and right. pick up my, my CSA box, I'm still meeting the farmer. Yep. And I think that it forces us to change our own like perception of what farming looks like and agriculture looks like. And and I think what strikes my the biggest carbon like cord for me is the that repurposing, that reusing of space, because this is a problem. And to your, I, what I really love, you get me all fired up now, Shane, is the, like your comment about like every community should have a farm, right? Yeah. And your very detailed explanation on like land grants and like usually an area is underappreciated, undervalued, and then some community gardens go in there, two goes in there, artist yeah. studios go in there, like you name like that that creative type, that space that they need a little bit more, but can get it for cheaper per square foot usually happens in like more affordable areas. And then they become cool. They become hip. I mean, we just, we were joking about Williamsburg last night. Like there's a little Williamsburg, Brooklyn, like everywhere. And everyone right. wants that owns property that has businesses and they're wanted, wants it to turn into what Williamsburg is now become like where it's worth millions of dollars and tax yep. revenue. And all these people want to live there. So these land grants, is, all this stuff goes away or gets replaced. Um, but my point of, of all of this is like there's office buildings everywhere, right? So there could be farms or gardens everywhere. Yeah. None of these new, we'll call them the AI iterative. Um, <laughs> let me redo that one. Um, what's the word I want to use? The AI iterative iterative lego based you know office farm building like right. farmer of the future yeah. like they can populate anywhere and literally it literally anywhere so we can go meet our food and meet our farmers they just don't have dirt floors they have concrete floors that are yep. like you know running their systems and i think the big thing for me that really gets me gets me humming is so grocery stores with the access to fresh food to your point like isn't you know they call it food deserts right and how many miles or how many minutes does it take you to go to the nearest place to get food what kind of place is it and especially in like lower income 
um, black and brown families, like, and there's office buildings everywhere, including where there's food deserts. So like, we could actually start to, if the more we do this, the more like we can actually start to target areas and bring access to food in a way that wasn't there before. Um, Definitely. There's still other problems about learning and wanting to use it and choosing it. Um, those things that will always exist, yeah. but it's pretty cool. And those are, anyways, I, I just think it's a great carbon like clip because this is this could be the future and probably should be the future. Because from my point of view, and I think most people that are much smarter than me that think and talk about commercial real estate and office occupancy, like most people aren't going back to the office if they don't have to, and if they are, they're only going back for a certain amount of time each day. So right. there's just that means companies need less space. So if I'm a Google or a Meta or anyone, do I need 10 million square feet in this city or now do I need six? But people built at one time like they needed 10. So what are we going to do with that supply that no longer has a demand? Yeah, and the the article actually references, so they're saying that 20% of office space currently is is empty across the United States. And mm-hmm. um, some projections are saying that there'll be more than 300 million square feet of office space um, obsolete by 2030. So, I mean, that's not far away, you know. No, that's um, seven years, six and a half years away. Right. So it's like we need to, we need to follow the lead of um, – this company's name area two farms Mm -hmm. um because yeah if if they're able to if they're able to do this um it can definitely be done and i mean my my small local farm alone i think their weekly csa for just residents of franklinton they're feeding I want to say 50 or 60 families are what they deliver every Friday. And that's not including the CSAs of people that don't live in the neighborhood that come and pick it up. So, um, and, a lot, and it could be way higher. It just has to, like you mentioned before is like, it just happens. It deal you deal with, um, people just not really knowing the importance of it. Um, changing, changing certain people's eating, um, their diet and, and what they, what they eat, because it, it definitely, you're going to get some things in the bag that you don't traditionally eat, but it, yep. it, it pushes you to start exploring more and, and eating healthier at the, at the end of the day. So. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of benefits here and it's probably easier to get office space, lease it and rent it in a depressed market than it is to get land that in an urban area that, already is maybe um, tillable and nutrient nutrient rich enough to produce the type of produce that the community would want. Right. And I think also um, just adding one more point is like, just from my experience and seeing what happens in my neighborhood, I think with the office building strategy as well is you get a little bit more, security because like you were saying uh, unfortunately some some of these the urban farms and the the community gardens usually start in like lower income neighborhoods and mm-hmm. you you have to factor in the um the issue of like unhoused people so 
I mean, there's some times where I go to my community garden and like there's, you could tell someone probably spent the night there, you know, um, and things like that. So I think that also just having it in a secure building can help eliminate, depending on what city it is, can help eliminate yeah. some of that as well. Yeah, like no matter the the external externality or the external factor like impacting your garden inside an office space, like that's like one of the advantages the article lists out is like they already have heating and cooling, electricity, like mm-hmm. access to all these resources. And then it's also a controlled environment, which mitigates or minimizes all the risks of growing food outside, whether it's someone camping in there, rats, squirrels. Yeah, um, climate, so different climate, climate issues. issues. Yeah, climate issues, you name it. Yeah. So, no, salute to, uh, let's give a shout out to Area 2 Farms. We, uh, Area 2 and Silo and these these quirky farmer enthusiasts figuring out how to do it inside these commercial spaces. Yep. Yeah, if you're I in the it. Washington, D.C. area, look them up. You might have a, you you probably have access to a weekly CSA of quality vegetables. So, quality office fresh vegetables. Yeah, office fresh. Yeah. Office farm fresh. I think that's what and, we'll name this. Is car- yeah. carbonly office farm. <laughs> and one one I think that is important to add is like it also says you know, vertical farming can yield just as much produce as a traditional farming mm-hmm. methods. So, um, the, you know, the proof is in the pudding It's it's happening and it's scalable. So I, I, I hope to see this implemented in my city, but along with, you know, a lot of other cities soon, especially by 2030. <laughs> Totally. I'm with you right there because there's plenty of office space and everyone eats food. I mean, we'll keep going. I think this is a good topic to, or a good place yeah. to, to rest this topic. Yep. Because hopefully there'll be more and we'll be able to follow up on that. And as soon as we do, it'll be the next Carbon Lake clip. Yep. Do, do, so do, 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 do. Keep your eyes Get out real for it. Thanks for listening. Definitely. Thanks for listening indeed, listeners. Listening and listeners, that's so redundant. Shane, have a great rest of your weekend. Should we say office building one more time, too? Yeah, office building. (laughs) Till next, office building. Anyways, clearly a goofy one today, but a most important topic for the way we get our food in the future.